they said, Todd, whatever you do, don't talk too much because we have a lot of musical content uh, tonight. And so that's why you're here. So I think what we'll do is turn it right over and uh, get rolling. Great. Thank you. And we're going to immediately turn it over to Sullivan Fortner. <laughs> for being here. Uh, my name is Judd Danby, and it's always a pleasure for me to be here with Don and all of you to uh, dig into and celebrate our guests, great guest artists here. What we opened with was a little bit of the uh, opening and title cut from uh, Sullivan Fortner's Aria, which I'm sure will be available for sale in the lobby. Uh, and I'm going to turn it over to Don to get us rolling. Uh, Judd and I faced uh, a different sort of challenge than we ever have before, I think, in doing these things. And that is that we're dealing with a very young artist with a very small body of recorded work, essentially that album that we can work from. As a leader. Uh, pardon me? As a leader. As a leader, yeah. yeah he's a sideman and he's recorded with uh, vocalists, but that's, that's what we're working from. So uh, what we're doing, and the group he's playing with tonight has never been recorded with him. Uh, they're some of Indianapolis's finest uh, people, and those of you in the jazz club have heard them because they've all been here. Uh, but we will be working then and trying to establish him. He's immensely talented, got great technique, and he knows the tradition uh, that he's coming out of, the jazz tradition and the piano tradition. And so what we're going to try to do is set up the major elements of that tradition and then look for them uh, and point them out in his recordings. Yeah, so, I mean, any emerging pianist has this amazing history to encounter 
filled with wonderful music and players going back even to pre-jazz, ragtime kinds of repertory uh, and into the earlier periods. And, and certainly Fortner um, is, is well aware, well versed at this, but he really, to my ear, seems to begin to tap into the players of the 1940s and 50s uh, in the, what's called the bebop period and, and post-bebop. Um, and so we're going to spend a little time sharing uh, what we, what we want to frame as kind of the three major threads for, for pianists uh, of that period. Um, Bud Powell, Bill Evans, and Thelonious Monk. Uh, you all know these names. These are probably names, at least some of them. Um, so let's start with Bud. Bud was a, um, uh, one of the, the figures who, who helped create the style of jazz we call bebop. And as we'll hear, uh, one of the hallmarks of his playing is that at times um, he will use very, very kind of sparse um, left-hand chord voices. I was thinking about this. Um, the great fans, Herbie Hancock, when he joined Miles Davis's group in the early to mid-1960s, Miles once told them on stage, don't play the butter notes. And he had to sit there and think, what does he mean by the butter notes? And then he realized it was all those rich parts of the chord that make everything sound full and lush, and so he avoided those. Well, actually, people like Bud Powell were often doing that in the, in the chords because what they wanted to do was to be able to have this incredibly florid and active right hand and essentially treat the piano as if it was a saxophone or a trumpet. So I want to play for you a little bit of one of Bud's uh, famous compositions called Parisian Thoroughfare. Thank you. 
direct descendant of Powell's uh, is Oscar Peterson, another name that's probably familiar to you, uh, who extends the kind of right-hand virtuosity uh, that you get with Bud Powell, but he begins to add other elements, too. Uh, there's a little more blues uh, in his playing, and he, he once said that he loved Bud Powell, but Bud Powell never finished an idea. And uh, Peterson uh, said that one of the things that that was discomforting to me, so in my playing, I, I try to finish the ideas I start. And so I'll give you an example of that, a very famous tune that Earl Gardner wrote called Misty. And then Bill Evans, which is a man that brings lushness and uh, abstractness and a kind of a kind of nuance and subtlety uh, to the music of uh, the piano player. And of course, he also does something with a trio that had not been done before, and that is make it essentially an ensemble, not just a piano player and a, uh, a bass and drum player. So we'd like to give you a couple of things. Misty from Oscar Peterson. Uh, his take on that, and uh, Evans, one of the most famous tunes, Waltz for Debbie. And this uh, segment of Misty is one of the classic recordings where um, Peterson demonstrates remarkable virtuosity in playing lines, kind of uh, Bud Powell style, but in octaves. Um, and then you'll hear in Bill Evans um, his characteristically rich uh, lush harmonies, drawing in, in many ways from uh, the kinds of th sonorities you might encounter in, in classical piano writing. Thank you. 
what these two guys do, I think also that you'll, that Jeff will be talking about in a moment, as Fortner picks up on, is on one hand, uh, Peterson adds a kind of theatricality to the music, uh, and uh, Evans a kind of uh, drama uh, to, uh, to, to, in ways that had not quite been done that way before these guys. And a kind of an introversion. Yeah, right? his, yeah that's what I'm talking Theatricality and drama are yeah, yeah. two sides of the same coin. Um, so one of the things Evans is known for uh, is, is introducing the waltz into the jazz repertory. Now that's interesting, that's a tune of his, Waltz for Debbie, but you may, I wanted to let a little bit of the beginning of the improv solo section play, because you may have noticed they switched to four. <laughs> uh, later in his, uh, not much later in his career, he began to record many, many waltzes where he stayed in three the whole time. But that was kind of a, um, an unusual idea. Uh, not unheard of, but it wasn't typical. Most most of what you heard, uh, certainly in, in uh, bebop period, was focused on four beats a measure. Um, so we wanted to share one of the Fortner tunes, um, which brings together a, a threads of Bud Powell's style, the waltz and style of Bill's Evans playing, the some of the octave playing of and the virtuosity of Oscar Peterson, but also it showcases Fortner's love, uh, and I'm sure we're all going to hear tonight, he loves to do things like play TV pop uh, theme songs from the 1980s as his part of his repertory. Uh, but this one, he had fond memories of as a kid. This is uh, none other than Mr. Rogers, You Are Special. <laughs> so you'll hear all of these threads, and just picture him wearing one of, one of Fred Rogers' sweaters, I guess. <laughs> But he will have his shoes on when he plays. <laughs> Thank you. 
as Judd mentioned at the beginning, we're sort of trying to establish uh, in a dialectic sort of way uh, three strands, the Bud Powell strand, the Monk strand, and then the synthesis of those two, which uh, are these, some of these other people. We've been looking primarily at the Powell strand at this point. I want to look at the Monks uh, now, who's, uh, well, we could spend the rest of the time talking about Monk, but uh, certain things to, that are really important to remember about Monk and about how it fits into what we're trying to do with uh, Fortner, and that is that of all the piano players in the history of jazz, he's the most percussive. He, uh, you know, it is, uh, the piano is a, both a percussive and a melodic instrument. It tends to be played as a melodic instrument more than a percussive instrument, whereas Monk did the opposite. The other thing to remember is Monk was a composer, and that his compositions and his improvisations always were structured and had a design uh, that uh, somebody like a Bud Powell would probably have trouble staying in, in ways that make, would make uh, Monk happy in the context of the written part. So we got two things we want to play for you. Uh, one is uh, I Mean You by Monk, uh, along with Jerry Mulligan, and then we're going to play uh, Fortner's uh, take on I Mean You. Yeah, one of the things about Bud Powell is if you were to drop the, what is it now, the laser, the... The, the internet connection, whatever you, wherever you used to drop the needle, in the middle of a Bud Powell tune, you may or may not actually know what the tune itself was. It just becomes a kind of a vehicle. Um, whereas with Monk, you always know because he treats the, the composition itself as almost like the genetic code of everything that he's going to do. So here's a little bit of I Mean You. <clears throat> Thank you. 
So one of the things about uh, many, so many of Monk's compositions, and I mean you is a particularly rich example, is that the tune itself features um, really interesting metrical shifting of small ideas, little musical cells or motives that get pushed around in terms of where they fall in the measure. And so he, he almost obsesses with that at times in his improvised solos. Uh, and he has these wonderful moments where he just, ja, 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 you know, I mean, he gets really kind of caught up in a, in a sonority and a, and a rhythmic pattern. Um, but one of the things I've always noticed about Monk, because his playing is, you know, I guess you could say is a little quirky in ways. Um, uh, but he always had. A, I don't think anybody's going to jump you yeah, about that. A little quirky. But he always had very kind of straight-ahead rhythm sections behind him to kind of anchor it. What's happened now? So many musicians, not just pianists, so many jazz musicians have uh, encountered, dealt with, absorbed uh, the music of Monk. And so this, this kind of rhythmic approach that he used is now the entire ensemble approach. And so one of the interesting things about Fortner's take, you'll hear right away, he sets the saxophonist off from, from himself, and they're playing the melody in a kind of an interesting counterpoint. In different keys. complexity that are really interesting. puts him right smack in the middle of 21st century uh, jazz practice where rhythm and meter are constantly being played with and shifted and moved around and frequently all the instruments are playing rhythmic movements rather than in melodic movements and you really get a sense of that here.
Uh, we wanted to turn to some uh, ballads to give you a, a sense of Fortner's lyrical side after, after that. Um, and so I want to set up a, a nice um, connection with Bill Evans again. This is, uh, both of these recordings are solo piano. Uh, this is the, I think the second to last track on the Fortner album. And it's just absolutely marvelously beautiful, I think. And you'll hear in both Evans and Fortner's playing um, gorgeous, um, inner part voice leading, lots of moving lines in the tenor and alto range, so that it's no longer uh, the, the, the melodically focused kind of playing that you heard in Bud Powell, but it's about all of the voices uh, and how they interact. This is uh, Bill Evans playing uh, A Time for Love, and then Sullivan Fortner playing For All We Know.
something as a young man. Uh, usually when a younger person plays a ballad like this, uh, the poignancy of the depth of the feeling doesn't always come through because maybe they haven't lived long enough. And boy, it comes through there. He really has that, uh, that wonderful way of expressing emotion. And through the, a lot of use of space and silence, uh, which comes out of a lot of people. Miles is one, but as piano players, Ahmad Jamal probably was one of the first. It's a kind of classical use of space uh, and time. Uh, shifting gears now, we're going to go back to the beginning, uh, just briefly, uh, with Jelly Roll Morton, who is uh, one of the earliest of the piano players and generally considered to be the first jazz composer. Uh, and, of course, he got his start in the... Uh, the Bordellos uh, in uh, New Orleans, and he said it was a good gig because that's not what people came for. Uh, so, so he could, uh, he, he could, you know, he could invent and create and practice. But he he said very early on that jazz has a Latin tinge or a Spanish tinge to it, and uh, it shows up uh, in ragtime and in and his his use of of those kinds of rhythms that came out of the African di di diaspora that, that went south instead of north, and uh, particularly the beboppers with Dizzy Gillespie, Bud Powell, and some others, they began to pick up on that again uh, when they came through uh, and started inventing bebop, and it also had frequently a Spanish tinge to it. So we're going to share a little bit more uh, Bud Powell. This is a kind of a self, you know, autobiographical thing called Un Poco Loco. And there's actually a kind of an obsessiveness about this that almost connects him back to Monk. I mean, they were contemporaries and they were listening to each other a lot. just for the sake of time. Um, we wanted to keep the focus um, the, the, of other players on this, our playlist, um, to primarily historical ones, ones that uh, uh, were no longer living as, as Fortner's been forging his own voice. But as we listened to Fortner's album, we kept finding connections to a, a performer who's actually been here at Purdue on Convos. Uh, and many of you may know, and um, he's a, a pianist who himself is very, very grounded both in Bud Powell and in Thelonious Monk, uh, Chick Corea. So we wanted to play a little bit of a, of a trio recording 
of his called Rumba Flamenco. And you can hear how much um, this, this Latin tinge, as it's now called, um, going back to Jelly Roll, has infused so much of what happens in the jazz world. You hear a lot of um, influence of chicks playing in Fortners. So uh, we have two more Fortner excerpts to share with you, uh, but before we do, this next one is a standard tune, All the Things You Are, and so I want to play a little bit of a, of a kind of a traditional bebop version. This is from a Dizzy Gillespie recording in, I think, 1945, mid-1940s, um, and you'll hear the very, very common uh, vamp. It's called a repeated two-chord pattern that's, that's used uh, at the beginning of the tune and sometimes between... Uh, soloists and things. Whoops. Whoops. <laughs> Here we go. Anybody know this tune just by that opening? friends do on this, they, they actually rewrite that vamp so that um, there's a three note pattern, but it, they keep changing, they, they shift the key of one of them relative to the original. Uh, it's a really interesting little effect, and then they bring together uh, some of these Latin tinge elements we've been visiting. Thank mm -hmm. you. 
you're going to hear uh, in just a few minutes is an extraordinarily talented young man uh, with an extraordinary facility uh, technically and also a knowledge of, of, of the history of this music. And he has, uh, in the liner notes, they say he's like a sponge, uh, that he soaks this stuff up. And more, most importantly, like a sponge, it's diffused as it comes in. It's not pastiche. He really synthesizes all of these influences, and they come up. He hasn't yet, it seems to me, uh, either of us, uh, developed a personal style that you could recognize. Uh, but he has uh, gotten to the place where that's probably going to be the next thing. And you're going to hear him play some quite astonishing music tonight. Yeah, so enjoy listening for these various threads, the, the fluid uh, melodic playing rooted in bebop, the really interesting explorations of, of uh, rhythmic ideas, displacing them and where they fall in the measure, developing them of Monk, and also the very lush, rich, moving uh, inner voice harmonies that come out of the Bill Evans tradition. So we'll leave you with um, the last track. We opened with the first. This is actually called Finale, appropriately enough. And we'll let it play, as if you, and you can stay as long as you want to enjoy it. So thank you so much for being here. You, any questions? Oh. Okay. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for coming. If I heard this and no one told me who it was, I would think Chick Corea right now. Sounds exactly like a Chick Corea tune.